Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's it deep to left field, and it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. There's a moment for you. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. In the driving jam time. The Billikens win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. Comeback pattern caught. Touchdown, Kansas City. Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Closing in on Major League Baseball's trade deadline. Tom Ackerman with you. Deadline Tuesday, a little later than usual. 5 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Eastern. Didn't they used to have it in the afternoon, Drew? Uh, I mean, come on now. Are you making us wait a little longer, taking it down? I think this will come down to the last minute. Uh, for a lot of these deals, prospects are a plenty in the Cardinals organization, but there are other teams that have prospects too. Everybody's looking for starting pitching. Seems like everybody's going to be kicking the tires on Juan Soto, although I think only a half uh, dozen, maybe even less than that, teams could actually do it. Uh, and probably only a few teams still could make a deal. I think the Cardinals are one of those. The need, though, is pitching. I think we have all recognized that, not only in the bullpen, yes, I get it, uh, but starting pitching for sure, that is number one. It, you just can't go four and a third. And, you know, we saw that with Andre Pallante before Dakota Hudson yesterday. Pallante, when he went four and a third in Toronto, exact same length, that was when the Cardinals got blown up. Junior Fernandez gave up uh, his home run, the grand slam to George Springer. Yesterday, it was Henesis Cabrera giving up the home run to Josh Bell. It happens when you overextend your bullpen. And the Cardinals starters that went deep, what happened? Cardinals won the game. Adam Wainwright in Toronto, Miles Michaelis in Washington. These are obvious things I point out to baseball fans, but just letting you know this should be the number one target. I know you're obsessed with Juan Soto. So am I. Ever since I saw him play for the first run of success that he had, I was like, uh, wow, <laughs> this guy is awesome. And that was in 2019. I mean, he's been around a while now. He was a young lad then. Now he's 23. He's a big league veteran. He's only 23. It's very rare that a player with that much control is on the trading block, and that's why everybody is taking an intense look at this thing. We'll talk to John Mosellock about it at 1125. So just don't go anywhere. He is going to join us live. Confirmed that with him yesterday. Unless something goes down. Drew, I'd say if Mo doesn't call in at 1125, something's going down. So we'll keep in, <laughs> we'll keep in touch with him from that standpoint. Uh, we have a very busy show. Oliver Marmel, the Cardinals manager, I was just texting with him a moment ago. 
He'll be with us in five minutes at 10.15. 10.30, we'll be joined live by Travis Ford. He's the coach of the St. Louis Billikens. I think they're going to be very good this year. They're about to take a trip to Europe. And before that, they have an open practice today. He's going to tell you how you can see the team today. This is a team that will be, if not knocking on the door of the top 25, in the top 25, I think, early in the season. I think they've got that kind of talent. So we'll talk to him about that club. I, I feel like we've said this before about the Billikens, but I think this might be their best team on paper since Travis was the coach. We'll look at that. 1045 legend of the game of golf, Lee Trevino, joining Dan Reardon of our Camo X staff in town to promote the Ascension Charity Classic. Then another legend of the game. Nancy Lopez visits with me at 11.05. At 11.15, Nick Ragone of Ascension to wrap things up with the Ascension Charity Classic. They could have a massive crowd. They had 51,000. He tells me they could do 100% of that on top of that. So we're talking, could they really hit 100,000 at Norwood Hills for that event, the PGA Tour Champions event? That is just an astronomical climb for that organization, if that's the case. And then at 1125, John Moselock to discuss his club as we shift over to Cardinal Baseball at 1140. And, yeah, the Cardinals lost. They lost, and it was a tough one yesterday. The Dakota Hudson goes four and a third. The Cardinals bring in the pen in the seventh. Cards up 5-4. They blew a 4-1 lead. Now they're up 5-4. Two on for Josh Bell. And the one-strike pitch is hit hard to center field. Backing up is... Carlson, it's over his head, and it is over the wall. A big fly for Josh Bell. A three-run home run in the bottom of the seventh inning, and it's now 7-5 to five Nationals. And for the third time in this game, the Cardinals have given back a lead. Before we hear from Ollie live on KMOX, our broadcasters with the recap. With Ricky Horton, I'm John Rooney. A belated happy birthday, Ricky, but it wasn't all that happy on the scoreboard as Washington won 7-6 to NDC. Well, thank you, John. It was happy till the bottom of the fifth inning when the Cardinals gave up three runs in that inning and then three more later, Josh Bell, a three-run home run, ended up being the game winner. Cardinals offense was good enough to win the game, but the pitching just couldn't hold down the Nets. Home runs tonight by Nolan Arenado and Paul DeYoung. He hit a two-run homer and then later drove in a run with a sacrifice fly as he returned from Memphis. So great to have Paul D back. He's going to be important down the stretch. And the Cardinals will try to go for two out of three in the win column. Andre Pallante is trying to figure out a way to have a good start. He fell behind in Toronto, even though he seemed to figure things out after two innings. Seems like we've said this a lot this year, but you need to have a Cardinal get deep into a game, and it's Pallante's turn today. Well, the Cardinals play the National today and then back home on Tuesday night against the Cubs. Palante against Josiah Gray, a seven-game winner for the Nats. We're on the air at 1140 this morning. Gentlemen, thank you. Ollie Marmel, Cardinals manager, joins me live next on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gunner. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. Manager chat with Oliver Marmel, the Cardinals manager, sponsored by Missouri Division of Tourism. There's a Mo for every M.O. Find yours at visitmo.com. 
Good morning, Ollie. Speaking of Mo, we're going to hear from him in about an hour. The Cardinals president of baseball operations. Busy time for him, huh? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, he's had a, a busy week, and uh, we'll see how it, it all goes down. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, good to talk to you, as always. I, I have a lot of questions about strategy from last night, uh, but first I do want to ask about a trade. Uh, Edmundo Sosa, who I know you liked a lot, uh, somebody who provided a lot of great defense for you, and he's had some moments at the plate, but mostly valued, I think, for his defensive ability. Traded for JoJo Romero. Just uh, your reaction on that Phillies deal? Yeah, I was able to talk to Sosa yesterday before he uh, he took off, and this is a guy that um, man was a big part of that that run we went on last year. He provided a lot of energy and excitement to his overall play. To your point, played really good defense. And uh, put together some good at bats for us last year as well. This year was a little bit more of a struggle for him um, in, in both playing time and just uh, overall production at the plate. But this is a guy that every opportunity he had, he he really got after it, man. He he brought a ton of excitement um, and enthusiasm to the game. Never complained about anything playing time related, uh, and he was a pro's pro. So I, I enjoyed having him. Um, when you look at creating an opportunity and a roster spot for. Uh, the young to join us. Um, that was the move to be made. But uh, yes, I wish him the best of luck. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I know that Paul DeYoung making the move uh, here to St. Louis eventually, but to Washington in this case, to the big leagues, was a big one for him. He really put in a lot of time, didn't he? And showed up with a home run yesterday. Yeah, he really did. This is here's the conversation that took place with DeYoung when we sent him down. We wanted to make sure that he earned his way back up here. And uh, we didn't want to bring him up just because we had a need or because of an injury, but because he earned it through production. And if you look at the way he went about it, he went down there, put his head down, got after it, didn't complain, um, and put a nice little stretch together and, and produced, hit some homers, and, and went about it the right way. So it's uh, it's good that he earned his way back up here, and the clubhouse was excited to see him. Absolutely. The Cardinals uh, lost the game, I know, though, 7-6, to six, and that's a tough one. You, you scored enough to win the ball game, but pitching uh, gives up the runs. And let's start with Dakota Hudson. I mean, he's four and a third. I, I think the understanding is that he, consider, he continues to try to get himself back to where he was so he can go deep into a game for you. He was unable to do that. What happened to him, and, and why did you take him out? Yeah, if you look at uh, Dak's outing, it was actually a, a decent one, uh, not in length, but in overall um, how he used his stuff. Um, a lot of foul balls got that pitch count up. I think 17 to 20 foul balls kind of led to that. But when you look at um, you can easily leave him in there and face Soto and, uh, and Bell. But I, if I had to do it again, I'd do it the same way. You look at he faced 13 left-handers. Uh, hit one, walked two, gave up three singles, and then the other two outs. Uh, one of them was hit 97, another one was hit 94. So it, the, the lefties um, weren't hitting a ton of ground balls off of them. They were taking pretty good swings. And uh, Soto at that point had walked twice and Bell six for 11 going into that game against him. So I'm not sure uh, what we liked about that matchup for a third time through. Um, does it suck when it doesn't work out? And you bring him, absolutely. But, uh, but, there, there's nothing pointing to leaving him in that game. Uh, Packy Naughton ends up giving up a couple of runs, and the Cardinals later have a 5-4 lead. Hennessy Cabrera comes in and gives up the home run to Josh Bell. Uh, just your evaluation of those moves in terms of your bullpen as the game progressed, but also 
the effect that Juan Soto had on those moves? Absolutely. You, you have a couple options there, and I'm glad you're asking, Tom, because you have a couple options when you take Hudson out of the game. You have Thompson and Packy, and you can go to either one of them. When you look at Soto, he's a high, high, I mean, one of the highest in the league walks. Um, Josh Bell is also a high walk guy. Uh, historically, Packy is in the zone, doesn't walk with a lot of people, where Thompson has a, a, a more of a chance of doing that. So, and Packy's just been really good for us, uh, hands down. So we go with Packy. And um, unfortunately, it's just one of those days where he didn't get it done. Um, we, we then turned the ball over to Hicks, and he has a really quick seven-pitch inning. Um, so you're sitting there again with our, our guys Soto and Bell coming up, and do you let Hicks roll through that? Um, I think if we pulled people, it would be 50-50. And the reality is when you look at Hicks against left-handers, um, First guy hit a really, really hard line drive from the left side against him. Then he got a ground ball and a strikeout against two righties. And then he goes to face the next lefty, and he hits him. Uh, up to this point, Hicks has walked 23% of lefties, which is triple league average. Um, so we go with the, with the lefty against Soto and Bell. And uh, unfortunately, again, you get a walk and a home run, and it doesn't work. So is it the, the right move? Um, when it works, it is. So, yeah, we can talk about that for days. Sure. And then, you know, another thing, going back to DeYoung in the eighth inning, uh, you've got Nolan Gorman with a hit. Uh, Goldschmidt goes to third on that play because Goldschmidt had a single earlier in the game. That was a play that was challenged but upheld. Uh, he gets the the ground ball single. Uh, Nolan Gorman with a one-out single. Then Newt Barr walks. So here we go now. Bases loaded. Kyle Finnegan comes in. You had Brendan Donovan available, but you go with DeYoung, who gets the sack fly, uh, and then Donovan ends up getting that final out. Can you just take us through uh, that decision, uh, sticking with DeYoung there and saving Donovan? Uh, yeah. Finnegan's actually kind of reversey in, in his overall split. Um, righties have been getting them more than lefties, and uh, DeYoung's here to see what he's capable of doing. So we had a homer previously in that game. We want to see his ability to drive in those runs. Um, so he's going to get that opportunity. And then uh, we go ahead and do it for kids. Um, and Donovan, who makes uh, a lot of contact and, I mean, took a really good swing, unfortunately, slide out to, to center field. Um, but, yeah, once uh, once the Dickerson move took place uh, for O'Neill because of his leg cramp, um, you, you got one shot there of how you want to use Donovan, and it's either for DeYoung or for, for kids. And we like the DeYoung at bat, and so we uh, – we uh, pinched it for kids. I haven't seen your lineup yet for today. I don't know if that's officially out yet, but how is Tyler O'Neill doing? Uh, he's fine. He's not in there today, but uh, we'll get a better read here in a little bit and see if uh, he can uh, help us somewhere along the way in this game. Okay, that's good. Uh, and nice to hear. That was a leg cramp. Is that officially what we're, we're saying on that, right? Leg cramps for Tom? That, that's correct, yeah, Tom. Yeah. Okay. okay, good. Uh, and then otherwise, you know, hoping for Yachty to get back. Did you hear? I'll talk to Mo about this also, but uh, have you heard good things about how he recovered from yesterday? Yes, we did. Um, and, and he's doing well. His hand was a little sore leading into that game after his uh, first at-bat and catching some it started to loosen up which was good so he feels good about that um thankfully not nothing negative with that hand after getting hit but uh that bats uh felt a lot better he'll catch again today and then uh we'll see him back home and then finally just to to wrap things up here with palante starting today 
What did you see in his last start? Now, we, I know I, I mentioned before that but we came to you that he went four and a third just like Dakota, but he did seem to find something later after laboring early in that game, didn't he, in Toronto? Yeah, he did. And, and for him, it's the right-handers and, and not allowing them to just lean over and, and hit him to that right center field gap. Um, if you look at his last outing, uh, first time through, the first nine hitters, five of them got into a favorable 2-1 count, and four of those five got on base. So for him, it's going to be controlling those counts, getting ahead. Um, and when he does that, he, got, he gets a lot more weak contact and balls on the ground. When he's behind, more aggressive swings, more damage. Uh, so for him, the key is going to be to get ahead and then expand from there. I appreciate these times, Ollie. It's very busy. I know you got a game in a couple hours. Thank you very much for doing this on KMOX. It's, uh, it's great for the fans to be able to hear those decisions straight from the skipper, and we always love having you on the air. No, you got it. Thanks so much. Good luck today. All right, thank you. Thank you. Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel with us on KMOX. Always appreciate that. John Mozalek, as I mentioned, will be with us one hour from now at 1125. Travis Ford, he has some decisions to make as the season goes along. Head coach of the St. Louis Billikens. He's next live on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm because sometimes the gloves have to come off. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to KMOX. It's 10:29, one minute early. On our promise to slew coach Travis Ford, but as coaches are, I learned that a long time ago. When they tell you 1030, coaches expect you to be there at 1020, right, coach? 1025? Isn't that, some, isn't that about right? You got to gotta be on it early. It's, uh, you're always behind if you're not early. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I'll tell you a quick story. Gary Link, who I used to do the Mizzou games with at Mizzou, um, I can't remember which coach it was, whether it was Quinn or Mike Anderson or Frank Haith. It was one of those three. And they said, 
you know, noon bus to the to the arena. And mm-hmm. I got on the bus at like eleven fifty, something like that, and I sat down. He goes, Let me tell you something, brother. He goes, You need to be on this bus at like eleven thirty. Uh, and I and I said, yeah. And he goes, because when the coach gets on the bus, that bus is gone. No, he waits for everybody to get on, and then it's it's and the players know it too. And it was early in my broadcast career. I said, so I was always the first one on that bus from that point forward. <laughs> Coach's time. That's yeah, right. Coaches. And yeah. I tell my players, uh, you better be early because uh, my watch runs fast. I, I I said it pretty ahead of time. And guess whose watch we go by? So. <laughs> <laughs> Darn right. Uh, what about a uh, trip to Europe? How does that work? Uh, pretty excited for you. This is this is pretty neat. It is. We're very, very excited. Uh, it's a great opportunity for, you know, all these young men and uh, coaches and everybody. Uh, you know, very, very few, if any, have been uh, overseas internationally. And we're going to go to Madrid and actually, you know, spend some time at the St. Louis University campus in Madrid, uh, spend a couple of days there, uh, take a, uh, a high-speed uh, uh, train over to Valencia, play a game uh, over there uh, one day. Uh, then we're headed over to Florence, Italy for three days and then end up in Rome for three days and play a game in each one of those places. So uh, it's going to be an incredible experience, something these guys will always remember. Uh, I'm very excited to take them over there. And then, you know, we've, uh, you know, we practiced. We kind of started our practices last week. You get 10, um, 10 days to practice. You can use those days any way you want to, spread them out any way you want. We started last week and uh, been very, very happy with our team and uh, uh, been a very impressed with all the newcomers. So, yeah, this is a, a great opportunity for us. Wow, that's incredible. So you go to Madrid, you fly to Italy, or you travel to Italy to visit Florence and Rome. I just went to Rome. Uh, I was there uh, almost a month ago. I was there for two days and then went up to Tuscany for the rest of our vacation. Rome is incredible. I've never seen a city like it. It was like walking through a history book. What an opportunity for those uh, student athletes, you know, to really get an education. I, I, I would recommend it if it's within your means, if you can do it at some point in your life. Wow. What an experience coach. Yeah, it, it really is. And I, I'm ultra excited. I've never been to any of these places and I've been fortunate to travel to a lot of places, but, uh, I've never been to Madrid or Florence or Rome. So, uh, we're we're uh, we're going to spend this next, uh, we don't leave till the 12th. So we're going to spend the next week and a half, actually studying up on all these places, things that we're going to see. Um, so, yeah, to say we're excited uh, would be an understatement. We're uh, It's just an incredible opportunity. That's amazing. Uh, so, yeah, that was my first time in Italy, and, and you will absolutely love it. Uh, you and st- are going to be available at an open practice at 3 o'clock today with players. So it's, an, it's a practice associated with the foreign tour. Um and that's gives you the opportunity to get your guys together. So tell me about what's happening this afternoon. It is. We're you know we've decided to open it up uh, today and uh, this coming Friday. Today's going to be more of uh, shooting. We've got some guys uh, that are hurt. Nothing serious at all. Uh, they'll just be out today. We've got a couple of guys that are sick, uh, strep throat and things. Nothing COVID related. Uh, we uh, so we're going to be missing actually a couple of our big guys, 
a couple other guys. So we're very limited today. Everybody will be back by Friday when we're actually going to scrimmage and play more on Friday at five uh, five o'clock, five thirty ish, and we invite everybody to come out uh, both days. Today be more about just some drill work we're going to do, so a lot of shooting, get to see some of the freshmen, uh, things like that. But we'll be kind of shorthanded today. I look forward to seeing this team. I think you've got some shooters. I think you're pretty well balanced. How do you see your roster right now and where the scoring comes from? We know we know one guy who's back and that's Javante Perkins. Yeah, you know, uh you know the the strengths of this team just, you know, after one week or so doing team practices would be uh obviously we got a, the best point guard in the country. We've got some wing players that can really shoot it and score it. Um uh, we've got a uh five man inside that's obviously proven in Francis Okoro. Um so we can really I think be able to really score it, shoot it. Um we've got to improve our rebounding. We're going to have to really come together collectively as a as a group to rebound. Uh, I don't think we have the one guy other than Francis might be able to, uh, you know, he averaged seven or eight last year. If we can get up him, get him up to around 10 or 11, I'm sure it would be a huge difference maker. Um, but we're going to have to collectively rebound as a team. Um, and, you know, Yuri's going to need some help breaking the defense down a little bit. Uh, yes, we have great shooters, but we got to get in the paint to create help to, to get our shooters open. So those are some areas that we're looking to improve on. How does the Atlantic 10 look, and how do you feel like you stack up in terms of depth uh, to handle some of these teams? Yeah, you know, the 18, I think, is going to be really uh, strong at the top. I think there's about five or six teams that uh, will be, you know, fighting for that first, second, third seeds, different things like that. Uh, Us and Dayton will be the preseason favorites. Uh, You know, some people have us, some people have them. They're going to be, they return everybody as well. After a really good uh, season last year, they returned pretty much their whole team. So us and Dayton will kind of be picked up round one and two. Uh, VCU is going to be really, really good. I think a sleeper team is George Mason. Uh, I think George Mason returns one of the best players in our league uh, in in Oduro. They're starting five men who had 30 on us last year. Uh, and they've, they've brought in some transfer guys that are going to be really, really good. Um, you know, our league's improved a lot. A lot of new coaches. You know, you got Frank Martin at UMass. You got Archie Miller at Rhode Island. We're bringing in Loyola of Chicago. Um, our league is going to be really, really strong. Uh, I think it's improved over the last three to four months with the addition of these coaches and Loyola of Chicago. I think the Loyola thing is very underrated. I, I think it's important to have a rival. Now, you can't manufacture it. It's just going to have to develop over time. But geographically, the St. Louis versus Chicago matchup is very appealing, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we'll for sure play them twice every year. And uh, I haven't even been told that, but I know he will. Us and Dayton will probably all play each other twice every single year. Um, you know, that's going to, I think it's great having a, you know, Loyal's obviously had a lot of success of lately. Uh, the Chicago market is great to be in. I think that's terrific. Uh, you know, our, our schedule here at home, uh, our home schedule in shape, it's arena is probably going to be the best it's been in a long time. We're going to be probably releasing our schedule uh, this week. But, you know, we've got Memphis coming in. We've got Boise State. We've got Drake. We're going to have Dayton, VCU, Loyola. Uh, you know, we've got Murray. We're going to open with Murray State at home. 
Uh, it's going to be a really, really strong home schedule here at Shapitz Arena. And part of that is adding Loyola of Chicago to our league. Yeah, it's fantastic. It really is. Uh, we're going to see you today. If people want to come by, they can. This is open to the public today, free as well, to attend a practice today at 3 o'clock at Chaffetz Arena. The Billikens are playing at least three games during this trip to Spain and Italy, a 10-day trip in August. They'll have another practice on Friday, this Friday at 5 o'clock, at Chaffetz. So if you're going to the Cardinals Yankees game, that's what I would do. I'd go to the I'd go to Chaffetz, watch the Billikens for a little bit, and then head over to the Cardinals game after that. That's what I'd do. Oh, that sounds like a great plan. A great plan. <laughs> get uh, get a little basketball in uh, pregame of the Cardinals and Yankees, uh, and then go cheer the Cardinals on to victory for sure. Fantastic. Yeah, the Cardinals and the Billikens are great partners here at KMOX Radio. Looking forward to SLU this year, returning 71% of its scoring, 62% of its rebounding from last year's team that went 23-12 and 12 overall, 12-6 and 6 in the A-10. Their head coach is Travis Ford. He's about to take them on a terrific trip and presenting them to you this afternoon at 3 o'clock. Coach, have a great day. We appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on KMOX. Tom, always. I appreciate it very much. Thank you got you. it. Thank you. We'll be back in just a moment. We're coming to you from the Stiefel Sports Studio here on Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. Back with Lee Trevino after this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. From the Stiefel Sports Studio, I'm Tom Ackerman. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Let's now join Dan Reardon with a legend of the game, Lee Trevino, at Norwood Hills, promoting the Ascension Charity Classic. Lee Trevino, first of all, welcome to KMOX. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm going to start with a question that will pick you off a little bit. 51 years ago, yeah. you, Orville Moody, Bob Lund, and Dave Stockton came over to Fort Ord, Crosby Week, yeah. to play an exhibition. Yeah. I interviewed you after oh that, my God. After that, turn, uh, that exhibition. That was a heck of a golf course. The bayonet? The bayonet. Yes. That's, that's correct. And I'm going to tell you, in that interview, Lee Trevino had what I would call a Babe Ruth moment. Because I asked Lee, I said... That was January of 71. Yeah. I said, what were your goals for the year coming up? And like Babe Ruth pointing to center field, you said, I want to win the U.S. Open 
and the Open Championship both this year. And you didn't include the fact that you won another national title, the Canadian, in mm, between. Mm, mm. Were you blowing smoke at me at that time, or did you have special feelings about 71? I, I had special feelings about it because I was playing extremely well at the time, number one. Number two, I had lost the Open Championship at the old course in 1970 to Nicholas and, and Sanders. Uh, I didn't play a good last round. I had the lead going to the last round there and when it was played at the old course. It was the next, uh, in, in, in 1971, it went to Muirfield. Uh, sorry, it went to Burkdale. So uh, I, I, I loved Burkdale. Burkdale had five par fives. I'd never played a golf course with five par fives. And with the small ball, I could reach all the par fives. Anytime I can reach all the par fives, I'm a pretty dangerous guy because I, I can play the par threes and the par fours. My problem was playing against long hitters that reached par fives and two, especially Nicholas. Nicholas could reach all five, but that's okay. I don't mind that if I can reach them also. Uh, Marion, I knew a little something about Marion. I'd played there before. I knew it was not a big golf course, which I liked. Had two par fives on it is all, par 70. I think it was par 71. And so we, um, I, I, I had a feeling. I had a feeling that 1971 was going to be my year because I didn't play extremely well in 70 and 69. And, uh, I kind of let, uh, I kind of forgot what got me there in the first place was hard work. So I started back working again really hard at my at my craft. And um, I had a heck of a year. I ended up winning six tournaments that year. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Burkdale. That's your back-to-back open wins. Mm. What, what was it about Lynx golf that fit your game particularly well? Well, I'm a bump-and-run guy. I learned to play, and I played a lot of public course in Dallas. And I played a, a golf course called Tennyson Park East, which was down in the floodplain. So all the greens are right. You know, they raise the greens up a little bit simply because it floods there all the time. And they don't want the greens to get wet. And so you couldn't land the ball on the greens. They were oval greens. They were small. You always had to bump and run the ball there. So my training was perfect. You know, for any Lynx course uh, over in Great Britain, uh, because that's how I played every day. I played every, I hit the ball low. Uh, the fairways were extremely narrow with the tree limbs hanging over the fairway. So you, the lower you could hit your driver, in other words, you, uh, you, you were better off. Your fairways were wider. But um, yeah, I bump and run the ball and chipped it, putted it a lot from off the green, which helped me a lot uh, on the courses, because as you well know, on links courses, you're going to have a lot of putts from off the green. I mean, the fairways are just as fast as the green, so you putt. You don't chip. They're very tight. But, uh, yeah, that's that's where I learned to play. Yeah. In today's world, greatness is measured in men's golf by majors. I look a step beyond that, and I look at who finished second to those players in their majors. Tiger has 15 major wins. Six of the players who finished second are in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Jack has 18 11 of those players are in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Lee Trevino has six majors. Five of the players who finished sec- second to him are in the Hall of Fame, including Nicholas, four times. Mm-hmm. He'd have 22 majors if there had never <laughs> been a Lee Trevino. <laughs> Two questions about that. Do you attach importance to who you beat, who was finished second? And mm-hmm. the second thing is, why did Nicholas not intimidate you? I, I wasn't intimidated too much uh, with, with anybody, to tell you the truth. I, I learned a long time ago that if, if, if I looked at a golf course and I thought that I could beat it, um, I, I played for score. I didn't play the individual. 
I can't help what the individual does. Uh, that's the problem. People look at the board and say, oh, man, I got to – and they change their game in the middle of the stream. They take chances that they don't usually do. Uh, I played not conservative, but I actually played the golf course. I figured out the percentages, and um, I, I shot the best score that I possibly could. It wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. Nicholas did the same thing. Nicholas could actually look at a golf course and tell you almost to the stroke of what was going to win that major championship. That's why when Nicholas got behind in the first round, he didn't care. He says they'll come back. He, he told me that way. He said, they'll be back. Don't worry about it. They'll come back. And it's very difficult to keep that up. You know, somebody's going to come out there in the U.S. Open, shoot 66, 65, 67. But they'll come back with a 74, 75, or, or do what have you. But, um, no, I never got intimidated. No way. Uh-uh. Didn't do anything for me. Not at all. And actually, I should mention that other Hall of Famer that finished second to Lee Trevino was Gary Player. Not a bad choice there. Yeah, now he was a dangerous little guy uh, simply because he never gave up. I mean, I've seen a guy line up a foot putt for a nine. And, 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 you know, that's a dangerous guy when a guy does that. I mean, you don't line up putts for double bogeys and triple bogeys and quadruple bogeys. You just backhand them. And, but, no, nah, he was – he was Gary was very serious about his game. I mean, for a, for a guy that's – what was he, 5'6", five, 5'7", he did a hell of a job. He won, what, nine majors? Won all over the world. Great player. Yeah, he's a great player. Jump ahead four years from then, and you're, you're playing the week after the U.S. Open at Medina at Butler National. You and Jerry Hurd and Bobby Nichols all go down with a lightning strike. Yeah, and Arnie. Arnie got hit there, too. Arnie got hit. His, his club, it threw his clubs out of his hand. He was over, a couple of fairways over. Uh, it, Bobby Nichols never came back from it. Uh, Jerry Hurd retired him. Uh, he, he, he ruptured the back, and he never came back from it. I just talked to him about a month ago down in Florida, fiddlesticks. And um, uh, I've had four back operations. Uh, I've had a lot of problems with my back since. So, In fact, I have two steel rollers in my back now from that problem. Yeah. So, so how much did it deter from your career going forward? How much of a game changer was that? I don't think it was any, to tell you the truth, because I was very successful on the senior tour. I won 29 times on the senior tour. So... Uh, you know, you have to understand one thing about life. That regardless of what you do, the good Lord is going to deal you your cards. And you've got to play them. And there's, you can't reverse that. And you play the cards that he dealt you. Even if you don't like them, you've got to work like hell, in other words, to overcome that. Yeah. One of the things we hear talked about these days are career slams. We know that uh, Jordan Spieth needs to win a PGA. We know right. that Rory McIlroy needs to win a Masters. And, yeah. and people are aware of the fact that Tom Watson, Arnold Palmer didn't get a PGA. I don't hear Lee Trevino mentioned often in that conversation. You have three legs. Obviously, the, the fourth one, the Masters. And that's when I first started covering the Masters and when you sort of pulled away from the Masters. I know that you had issues. I know you've talked about it just here today. You had issues with somebody at the club. But it was always a suspicion that Lee thought he couldn't win on that golf course, that Augusta was not a course that not suited true. his game. Not true. Not true at all. No, I, I loved the course. In fact, I led twice there. Um, my problem later on was my problem was with uh, the gentleman that ran it. And uh, I don't like to talk too much about it simply because he's deceased now and he can't defend himself. But... We, he and I had problems with tickets and a few other things, so uh, I, I, I didn't care about it. And so I said, I don't need to play here. I said, I've got 38 other tournaments I can play in. And that's the way I've always felt. You have to understand about slam, grand slam, grand slam. You can ask, you could go around and take a statistics 
and, and, and not 20% of the golfers can tell you what that means. You understand? They, they don't know. But, but all of a sudden, if you say, if you tell the guy, says, oh, Nicholas won 18 majors. They don't know how many masters he won or how many PGAs he won or how many of this he won. When you talk about the slam, nobody knows. Arnie was the same way. Arnie was, he never, he, what, what did he, he never win? He never won uh, PGA. the PGA. Just like yeah. Watson. Yeah, Watson never won the PGA, yeah. Uh, you, you then go into television near the end of your playing career. You spent some time with NBC. I was led to believe that when Fox got involved with the USGA and their contract, that they wanted Lee Trevino as part of the broadcast team, and he declined. Is that true? That's true, yeah. Any reasoning behind that? No, I just didn't want to do TV anymore. I was going to play the senior tour full-time. Yeah, I was going to play senior tour full-time. That's why I quit NBC. I had a contract with NBC in 1969. I quit. And that's when Johnny Miller came in. Uh, but uh, no, I had a long-term contract. I said, guys, I'm going on the senior tour. Thank you very much. I appreciate this. No, not true. No, I, I, didn't, want to, I didn't want to do it anymore. And then a final question for Lee Trevino. I want to go back to the original question because at that exhibition, Orville Moody was part of that group. You were friends with Old Sarge. Very good, very close. He's probably one of the most unusual stories in the history of major championship golf. For people who don't know about Orville Moody, tell them who Orville Moody is and then talk about his game a little bit. Well, Orville Moody was from Oklahoma. He was a Native American. He was in the Army. He was a life Army guy. I met him for the first time in Japan, and he was running the golf course there at uh, Camp Zama, and uh, we went in there to play a match, and it was an inner, inner service match, and we had four players on each side. We had the Air Force, Marines, Army, whatever. Orville Moody won the tournament by 18 shots. He was individual <laughs> winner, and that's when we became good friends. And then when, when I told him, I said, Ben, I don't know what you're doing in the Army. You know, you could play on the tour. So when he came back to the United States and he went to Fort Polk, he came over and he qualified and he decided to try to qualify for the tour, and he did. And in 1969, I was defending champion, and we were at the Champions Club in Houston. And when I went to the press on Wednesday, they asked me who my pick was to win the U.S. Open that particular year. I said, Orville Moody. And somebody in the back in the press says, Orville who? And that's where that started. That's when Orville who uh, started with the whole thing. The guy could really play. He couldn't get the ball in the air too much. He was extremely accurate. He was straight. If he had a weakness, it was his putter. He couldn't putt very well. But when he went to the long putter uh, and he, you know, anchored uh, to his chest, uh, he made a lot of putts. He won a lot of tournaments. He won quite a few tournaments on the senior tour. But he was a fantastic guy. Never took a drink or a smoke in his whole life. Uh, he was a fantastic guy. I was one of the last to visit him before he passed away. He was in an assistance living place uh, just north of Dallas. And Maurice McBee and I drove up there to say hello to him and have lunch with him. And I think he passed on about a couple of weeks later. Yeah. Lee, thanks for the time. Okay, God bless you, my friend. And 51 years ago, thanks for talking to a PFC at Fort <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. Back with more on KMOX. Wow, how about that? A great interview there with Lee Trevino, bookending 51 years of meeting each other. Wow, that's pretty good. Uh, one of the greatest players of all time. By the way, Lee Trevino is going to be 83 
in December. How good does he sound? He said in the event at the Ascension Charity Classic in Norwood that every morning he gets up at 645. He actually shows up to the golf course at 645. He hits five balls with each club. He said, if I get if I catch a couple drivers, then I only hit two with the driver. Then I go home and work out. He doesn't play a round of golf. He's only played one round of golf all year. He just practices every single day. From the Stiefel Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman sports on a Sunday morning. Nancy Lopez after the news. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 